0: Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with him, and go advance his kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Welcome to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. I am your host, Austin, and I'm excited to be back with you. And with me on the mics, as always, we have Rick. How are you doing, man?
0: Fine, brother freshly back from COVID. This is the first time I've been out of my house in two weeks. So feeling just spectacular.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for jumping on the podcast, being right back in. That's good stuff. And then on the other mic, we have Jared Williams. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. Glad to be here, sun shining. I haven't been under
2: quarantine for the last three weeks, so I'm feeling great.
1: (laughs) It's not over yet. You could be, so we'll find out. (laughs) Well, thank you for wishing that on me. I appreciate that. Well, we are uh, we're excited to be here, but we are going to cover uh, a pretty heavy topic today, yeah. um, and we're going to talk about one of the problems in our church. I mean, not our church, but church in general. The big C. I mean, we have uh, as the body of Christ, we're not perfect. We always have issues, but one of the the major ones right now we see a lot of is pastors and Christian leaders uh, having moral failures. Um, and when that happens, it blows up, and we don't know what to do with it, and people have a lot of questions. So we want to dive into that, and it's, and it's happening a lot. I mean, there's guys like Bill Hybels, James McDonald, Perry Noble, Carl Lentz, and then recently, the one I know a lot of people may know is Robbie Zacharias with some of the stuff that has came out um, now that he's passed away. And so uh, even if you don't know those names, I think we're all aware that pastors and Christian leaders do dumb stuff, and we have to talk about it. So, uh well, and yeah.
0: Pastor Austin, we talked, and... I specifically wanted to do this podcast after the revelations came out, the investigation result came out from Ravi, because I felt like that one was a particularly heavy one, because not only was he a very well-known Christian leader, a great apologist, but one of Ravi's hallmarks was not only his mind, but also his heart. Such a great man of incredible gentleness and character and warmth and Oops, not so much. And so I I think um, they're every last one. It's another log on a raging dumpster fire within Christianity right now that is really hard uh, on my heart at times. But Ravi particularly was one that I felt like uh, stung the church even a little bit more and has been really hard.
2: Yeah, and I think particularly, like that, that one just hits home. So of all the people listening, how many of them were impacted by Carl Lentz? Like I know tons, yeah. like myself included, were really impacted by this guy. Yep. And so... By Ravi. By Ravi, yeah. yeah. And so what do you do with that? And when we batted around different topics, the second I remember Pastor Austin, when he threw out, oh, this could be, I was like, yes, we have to do that. Yes. I mean, yep. this is... This is an emotion—there's theological things, but this is a real emotional thing that we got to process. I've had to process this. Like People I really respect have greatly disappointed me. What do I do with that? What do I do with their ministry? It's hard. That's a hard thing.
0: And if we don't talk about it, I feel like we lose even more credibility as the capital C church, the mm-hmm. big church. Um, that, that there is a credibility loss when a prominent Christian leader like this fails— mm-hmm. But then when we fail to address it and acknowledge it and talk about it, uh, the, the sting is even worse on the reputation of the church. Mm.
1: Yeah, and that's so true. So with that in mind, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's dive in. And so one of the questions to get us started, I'd love for you guys to bat around, is just, it's just why. I mean, someone might be listening and thinking like, why does this keep happening? And mm. it seems like it's happening pretty frequently nowadays. So, so yeah, why are we seeing this happen so much in the Christian world?
0: Yeah, good question. So I have two competing thoughts. And one is to say it's not happening that more frequent, much more frequently. And the other is to say, well, yes, it is. So I can At least st- feels like it is more. True. Yeah, exactly. What is the truth? Well, and so one of the things that comes to mind for me is the issue of miscarriage. So one of the issues with miscarriage is it seems like it's happening a lot more these days. But the reality is it might not be happening more, but there's not such shame attached to it. And back in the day, it happened at home and nobody knew. So it's not maybe not happening more, it's maybe being reported more. Mm -hmm. And so part of the influence might be the internet. That uh, it might be that Christian leaders are failing at about the same rate they have been for 2,000 years but we just wouldn't have known about it back in the day. We might know about Ravi, we probably wouldn't have known about Heibels or Lance or some of the others you noted. So uh, it might be because of the internet, we just know about them more. Hmm. On the other hand, (laughs) it might be because of the internet itself, it's happening more. And the influence there is the influence of celebrity culture. So, uh, Back in the day, pastors were sweet old men, <laughs> but they were not celebrities, and, and it's really the advent of the information age that pastors can be like really big deals uh, and have huge followings, and, and Robbie was not a pastor, but wow, what a following, and, and so they end up being too big to fail. And that can be an, uh, a result of the celebrity culture flowing from the influence of the internet. So it might be the celebrity culture mm-hmm. is causing this to happen more frequently. What do you think, bro?
2: Yeah, I mean, I got to think there's something to it, you know, because I there it, as I look at some of those setups, there's just some unnatural things. There's some pressures that nobody is meant for. I mean, yeah. it, you know, we've all heard different people talk about the fallout after, and it's just neat. I mean, these guys can get worshiped. Like, we're just not meant to be worshiped. Like, we're just not meant to take that much praise and that much criticism. And so, I agree. There's no way to know, is it more? And your average pastor of 200, is he failing more or less? Who knows? Right. But as I look at some of these big name guys, man, I think there are some factors that are just unnatural. I mean, the amount of praise, just... The lack of accountability. When you get, you mentioned that too big to fail. There's a, that's a great. We've all heard that in different, you know, sectors. But there's something about that, and it's too big to question that guy. That's the cash cow. And, and
0: that's it's one tough. of the things. Like as Redemption Chapel has grown beautifully throughout the years, my hope is it. Uh, I am always expendable, and I pray through that at times. Like God, keep me expendable. Because what if we get to a point where uh, the name of Rick McKee? Oh, we can't lose that. Well, then all I've got to do is have some moral failure and you can't offload me because that'll ruin the church. And now we get into this very dang, these dangerous waters where I don't have accountability because who's going to give it to me? I'm above all of you, right? And, and so there's no accountability. And then when something does get, we're going to be tempted to hush it up, sweep it under the rug, blame the victim. I mean, all that crap starts going on. And so, Jared, I think that's well said that the amount of... Um, Adulation, as well as the amount of criticism, is just exponential in some ways these days.
2: When I've heard it from a couple of different circles, you can easily justify, and you know, on a couple of good sources, I know people that have been in those circles, watched, you know, Christian leaders do some really suspect things, and that's one of the justifications. Like, wait a minute, look at that crowd. Look at all that God's doing through me. I mean, clearly God's stamp of approval on my life, and then now you can't risk it. I got to keep this going, and so I got to do whatever coping. Then you could justify it. You can justify any sort of behavior because, man, look all that God's doing. And
0: yeah, I can't take that the, away. The, the term anointed gets mm-hmm. sort of, he, he's clearly anointed, which means he's too big to fail. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, it's funny, even with you going on vacation right before under quarantine, I remember you saying that, like, you end up being out for three weeks because vacation on top of that. And is it, okay, there's no church because the lead pastor's not there.
0: I'd hope not, you know? And It was a beautiful thing. Like, uh, God used it in my life to make make me realize, man, this bench is like deep. Like, we've got an incredible, incredible team. Uh, and I could disappear for three weeks. And I think Jesus was okay. <laughs> and I, I know our church was okay. So uh, it, was, it was a good thing. Yeah.
1: yeah. So what do you guys think about, I mean, that's some of the why. I mean, it's happening. Now, I think one of the questions I know I wrestle with, and I'm sure our listeners do as well is, is what do we do then when we, when we hear about it? So something, some dude explodes, we see it on social media, like Rick said, I mean, the internet now, I mean, we hear about it instantly and within minutes of a report comes out, bam, it's everywhere. So when we hear about this stuff, what should be our response as, as believers?
0: Many things <laughs> yeah. uh, flow from that. Uh, one of the things I, I want to do more and more in my own life is uh, assume I'm ignorant uh, of the facts. Like there, there's a temptation in a digital age uh, that I've read some person's blog and therefore I think I know I have all the, the answers. And, and I just don't. And and especially when these things hit and they're fresh. I mean, I remember when the Ravi stuff first started coming out, my first reaction was, no way. And, And how uncool that they waited to accuse him until after he's dead so he can't even defend himself, which is not true. Accusations came out prior. They were actually squelched and stuffed and the women weren't believed and all that. But listen, if I at that point thought I have all the answers, I was dead wrong dead wrong. And so I've got to just take myself with a grain of salt and know that I don't have all the answers and be very humble and very open to going anywhere. Mm-hmm.
2: Some of it too, it's easy to forget that these are people, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. not just the leaders, like, you know, of course, some of, you know, the correction, you know, the focus on the victims and it's easy to just, oh, this needs to happen. Here's what's wrong. But when I mean, you have lives getting destroyed. You know, I think of, you know obviously you know, Robbie all they've done but he's got a family he's got yeah. kids that work there and of course like the victims and it's just so easy to just so flippantly talk about it and not just grieve like lives have been destroyed because of this and I can just so easily get on my high horse and judge and forget to just grieve you know we talk about the damage of the kingdom like that's that's horrible like this is gonna make people really doubt Christ and it sucks that we as fallen people do that but it I and mean, some of just grieving too
0: and And giving yourself permission to grieve and to weep. Absolutely. Another thing that uh, I think we should do is pray for justice. I think it's a great prayer. Because uh, if, using the Ravi example, I want to pray, Lord, if Ravi did this, let justice be done. Let it be known. Let it come out. Uh, And if Ravi didn't do this, Lord, let justice be done. Let it be known. So God, justice, please. And the reality is we're finding more and more, while false accusations do happen, they are quite rare. Mm -hmm. And so to be in a disposition of praying for the victims. uh, So a lot of times what happens is this stuff comes out, and the one who really gets the spotlight is, is Ravi. Is Ravi's family okay with it? Is Ravi okay? Is yeah. Robbie, you know, and, and there can be an ignorance and, and ignoring of the victims that are tragically just hurt by this. And so in praying for justice, I'm, I'm particularly with an eye towards praying for the victims who have been yeah. hurt, crushed.
2: Yeah, at the very least, I, I think that's great of just shifting, you know, from that from the big personality to the victim. I mean, because right. like I said, the more it comes out, okay, false accusations just aren't that common. No. Like, what do you have to win, like, to throw yourself out there? And I'm not saying it's never, but man, tipping to the very least, listening. Like, they have to get an ear and have to have a voice to hear, okay, what would happen? I mean, that's the sad pattern. You, you hear these legitimate, credible accusations, and they get squelched. I mean, they, they have to be heard out.
0: Yeah the only other thing that came to mind for me, Austin, is to watch yourself. That's just lifting that right out of Galatians 6, where it talks about somebody's in sin and go confront them. Oh, but (laughs) note this, when you do, keep an eye on yourself. Um, And so I always, whenever I hear, yeah, I want to grieve. I want to be concerned for the victim. I want to pray for justice. And then I go, oh, Lord, would you just graciously protect me? Like, God, there, but by the grace of God go I. You know, and mm-hmm. so to watch yourself, watch yourself in your reaction and in your character and your attitude towards Robbie, whoever else the, the celebrity Christian is at the mm-hmm. time. But then also to examine your own life and go, okay, where am I vulnerable? And, and how do I need to adjust and adapt so that I am protected from doing the same exact thing?
2: Yeah, that was my quiet time this morning. I was going through James, and it said, "Who are you to judge?" You know, like God's the judge. I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. a doer of the law. And man, I think that's a good word because it's it's so tricky. So Dan Larison, one of your good buddies, I I remember you know, at this point, gosh, 20 years ago, a young Christian trying to process these things, and I remember something heinous happening. I remember just saying like, "Oh, that's disgusting! What kind of person?" And I remember Dan saying that like, "Man, I, it's crazy to think I'm capable of that." Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking no way. Like we're the good ones. They're the dirty <laughs> sinners. And just to really process like my own depravity and knowing I'm capable of great evil, it's much more comfortable to per- you know, paint them as the perverts. And I don't have that, but I think it's much more theologically true to say, but by the grace of God, as you said.
0: Yeah. Man. How about Larison getting a shout out on the podcast? I I meet him for coffee in a couple hours. And I, we'll make sure tell to tell him, tell him, him to listen. So. So, so, yeah. I, it, I mean, it was it was 20 years ago, and
2: I remember him saying that, that could be me. And I just remember thinking,
0: no, no way. No, what, you know. what I'm going to say to Dan is, uh, we did a podcast called What to Do When Leaders Fail, and we talked yeah. about you. <laughs> so go listen. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and I, and I love, yeah, I love what you guys are throwing out. And I love, and even with that last point, I mean, because us even around this table as three pastors, like we can sit here and talk about these guys who, who made mistakes and critique all the situation, but it could be one of us sitting around this table too. So we're aware of that, like we're capable and that's slightly terrifying, which is a good <laughs> thing it should be terrifying. But yeah. so, so I guess the question, another question for you guys is, I mean, should, should we be shocked when we hear about this? Yeah. I mean, should we be shocked? Should we not? Where where should we be
0: in that? Well, and no, I don't think we should be. And this is rolling off just what you guys were just kicking around and, and uh, that any Christian is capable of the worst sin. Mm. And for me, what this does is it confirms the gospel. If if our solution to human sin is human righteousness, then uh, boy, this is terrible. This is shocking. But good theology, as you were saying, Pastor Jerry, it, No, we're all depraved, we're all messed up, and Jesus is the only righteous one, and the only solution is the cross. And so to me, this just confirms the gospel, and I'm not shocked at all, and yet. And this is where there has to be nuance, there has to be balancing. Because then if I overplay that, then I end up in license or I end up winking at sin and sin's okay and we're not saying that. We do not use the gospel as some shield for, uh, to cover celebrity Christians that, no, it's okay because of the gospel. No, 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 no. So on the one hand, I'm not shocked because the gospel's true. On the other hand, we don't excuse it as okay just because the gospel is true.
2: Mm-hmm. That's why I just love God's word. And it's real, it's raw, it's gritty. And it, as you look at God's word, I think we can make an account for that. Because it is, gosh, you, I would be shocked if it didn't line up with God's word. But what we know from God's word is our depravity and that mm-hmm. everybody... Anybody respect, give them enough time. They will disappoint you in a great way. And so if Dan Larson's getting a shot out. So is my wife. She, uh, <laughs> she just taught it, you know, our women's Bible study, going through David and Bathsheba. Yep. I mean, he is upheld. This is a man proclaimed by God's word is a man after God's own heart. God said it. I'd have to believe that's true. And yet what do we know? An adulterer, you know, had a man killed, like the greatest compliment I could think of, a man after God's own heart committed murder, tried to cover it up. So there, biblically, we see it's dead clear. Like, all of us are capable of horrible things. And, okay, God's word is clear and backed up by the grace of God. And so I think we have to have good theology.
0: No doubt. And so one of the things I've heard during this, uh, particularly after Ravi, I just, in in various contexts, read things that were just like, this is getting out of hand. How do we stop this? (laughs) And I thought, um, we don't. Like, the only thing that stops this is Jesus comes back. That's what stops us. And Christian leaders have been sinning and failing for thousands of years. And I just don't think it's going to stop until Jesus comes back. Yet, and again, here's the nuance, here's the balance. On the other hand, we can still identify gaps in our systems, problems in our structure, and start to address those. What's the we got to get our handle, on, our hands around, and get a handle on this celebrity culture thing, the lack of accountability, the hush it up, the shame, the victims. Like we still have to address that and get our hands on that. Hmm. And yet, I, I think we will continue to hear of Christian leaders failing. Until Jesus returns. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you say it too. I mean, not shocked. But then I also don't wanna push the other way to like, oh, it's fine, you know, that pastor who you loved and adored and married you had a horrible marital failure. Like, just expect it. Like, well, no, like don't don't be theologically surprised, but it again back to just you pro, you still have to emotionally process it still. You can still be grieved and sad and it's still gonna throw you off for that person. So I think, yeah. I mean, don't be shocked, but it, it's going to be hard. And let's acknowledge Absolutely. that, you know, and, wh- and that's a big part of it, this podcast. Like, what do we do with that? Like, this guy that I love, that I respected,
0: what do I do now hearing about this news? Yeah, and that's a great maybe uh, discerning what I mean by don't be shocked. Yeah. So, I mean, don't be surprised. Yeah. I don't mean don't be emotionally devastated. Yeah. So we said before, permission to grieve, permission yeah, to weep. Yeah. Absolutely. It should hit you emotionally. Yeah. But uh, the idea of human sinners sinning is not going to be a surprising idea to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So part of that, guys, I mean, when when people are, when when this stuff comes out and people are shocked, I mean, one of the questions that instantly people start asking is, so what do I do with all their stuff? I mean, (laughs) granted, they're celebrity pastors and leaders because they probably put out a lot of stuff, whether that's books or content online. So there's Typically, after, you know, this comes out, there's still a host of stuff out there that people, you know, go to some extremes with, but, so I would love to hear you guys answer that. Like, what do we do with, whether it's books, you know, stuff online, just materials that they've contributed to the church, what do we do with it?
0: One of, one of the hard things for me in this is, uh, I think a couple months before the revelations came out about Ravi... I finished up reading another one of his books. And when I finished reading that book, I thought, this guy is just brilliant. I wish I could be more like him. Hmm. Ah. And And he is a brilliant apologist, a phenomenal mind, has done so much good for the expansion of the gospel in today's day and age. Ah, very, very good dude. So do we still use his materials?
2: Well And some of it, you know, even as we talk about it here, in my understanding, I don't know that this you know, this I mean, Robbie's the big one that we're all talking about, but I think it's it's broader than Robbie, right? So in some ways, as we deal with it, okay, we're talking about what situation, you know so there's a broad scale, like, what sin are we talking about? Good. You know? So in some ways, I, I don't think we can say, well, here's what you do, you mm-hmm. know when a guy has moral failure. And I don't even think you can, you know, here's the chart. Okay, well, he had seven sins in seven weeks, so that means you take the down podcasts, keep books. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> There's no formula, but there is nuance. Like, are we talking about unbelievably horrible, gross sins? Well, that could be different than, well, this guy was a stern leader and a harsh leader. Sure okay, that's not the same as pedophile, you know? And so Absolutely. in some ways, I think we got to allow for a little bit of nuance. What's the situation? What's the situation? So sin? it's not
0: one size fits it all. There that's is right. discernment and wisdom that goes into got it. To. Absolutely. And even, even when a guy is horrible, I mean, the reality is Ravi's books are still good. Now, now I, I'm not suggesting that they are all good and use them, but I'm saying like the content in there is still good content. And so the question is, do you still use good content from this guy when this guy ends up being very stained and fallen? And I agree with you, Pastor Jared. It goes to some discernment. Uh, It's going to be case by case. Uh, There is an interesting issue from church history out of the 300s, the Donatist controversy. Uh, And so this was wrestled with back in church history when you had Priests who, during persecution, had recanted their faith in Christ, and then when the persecution let off, they they came back, uh, and now the question came as they continue as priests: Do we trust their ministry? Uh, and so that, that I'm abbreviating it mm-hmm. for time's sake, but uh, so the practical question becomes: What if you are married by a, a priest, a pastor, whatever? And uh, later found out that that guy's steeped in sin his whole life. Is your marriage valid? What if you came to faith through his ministry? Is your faith valid, your conversion? What if you got baptized by him? Do you need to go be rebaptized? And that's a very important practical question. And the the answer from church history is that, no, the the ministry that took place in your life was really between you and God. That guy was a broken vessel in between you two, but your faith isn't dependent upon the vessel, but by the God who's flowing grace into your life. And so your marriage is valued, your your conversion is valid, your baptism is valid. Uh, And in this case, some of these guys' ministry impact or their materials might still be valid.
2: I love that on a couple levels, the fact that it is church history. Again, you know, that's a don't be shocked. The church has been dealing with this. They've been dealing with this since the church began. I mean, so that example is 300. A guy has a moral failure. What do we do with his ministry? Is that not the exact question we're asking here? And I love the answer that they came to, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not an easy one. I don't think you throw it out. So if God, if you're listening to this and God moved in your life through a fallen man, I, and I, I wrestle with this, you know, do I throw that out with that? Was that not God's voice because this guy was a sinner? No, that we can still say if God moved in your life through somebody's material and they had a moral failure, that, was, that could still be God moving, the spirit moving in your life. Paul says as much. Paul admits there's preachers out there preaching with horrible motives. And Paul says, I still celebrate it because yeah. people got to hear about Christ through them. Is that not the same thing? Whether it be 300s or the New Testament, right? Like... Fallen men, horrible sinners that God still moves through. And and that's where I've settled. I've wanted to just throw out because I think initially as a young Christian, that's what I've done. Throw it out. They're perverts, they're sinners, you know, pick your sin and what back to King David. Okay, God could have moved through them at one point and they made a horrible, horrible, committed yeah. a horrible sin. But man, if God moved my life, I don't have to question that a ton.
0: And so to be very uh, tangible and practical in answering your question, Austin, I, I think uh, we've taken Ravi's books down off of our website. I th- am I correct about yep. that? Yeah, that, that we, uh, we have a recommended reading section and in the apologetics section, particularly, we had some Ravi books and we took them down uh, because that is a public platform where we can't give any caveat, any nuance to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might still read his books personally, And there might be times where I recommend them to an individual with a caveat that I can offer. Uh, But to do it in a blanket public way is very difficult because there are a lot of women who have experienced abuse at the hands of men, and that is going to be very difficult for them to to see that kind of public endorsement. Hmm. So uh, again, it's just trying to sort through the nuance of it where we do and where Hmm. we don't.
2: Yeah, and that's the hard part because we're not endorsing that. We're not endorsing the abuse. We're not covering up in any way, you know, and so it's, you know, what do you do with that content? I feel like there's a couple buckets because even, okay, if God moved in my life through this, do I just, you know, I think like the jury thing, you know, like when something said in court, like, now will the court stricken that from the record? Well, is that possible? (laughs) Like, I I don't know how to like unimplant that from my. Like, I don't even know what they're asking. I think that means, hey, you can't talk about this, right? But so okay, if I've already experienced that, and you know, apologetics is a great thing. Like, there's still arguments that make sense that I'm going to use. Now, okay, am I going to intentionally go read one of these guys right now? Probably not. Like, time isn't one of those factors. Like, I just can't. It'll right. it'll mess with my head too much. But I, you know, it doesn't mean what I heard from them wasn't truth. And, yeah. Hmm. What
1: well, I think both you guys are hitting at it. It's just and it, and we want to be a people that acknowledge it too. Like, we're not going to uh-huh. hide. I mean, you think. King David, like it's in the Bible, God didn't want to hide it from us. He did some yep. terrible stuff, but he does amazing stuff. So for us to be, you know, back to your hush, hush it up earlier in the conversation, like we don't want to, we don't want to just... Not pro-hushing it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. 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 up. Yeah. Acknowledging where have hushed up. Yeah. Like we just got to be real. Like it, it, stuff happens and we're not going to hide it and got to be real about it and be honest about it. So
0: yeah. Yep. And, and who wrote most of the Psalms in our Old Testament? <laughs> yeah. King David. Yeah.
2: When I love I was just saying this example. I just saw it for the first time, got that middle ground. My kids turned on an old Mickey Mouse movie from Disney, and that was some of Disney's approach. Okay, some of those things are inappropriate, like the way that we stereotype. Do we remove it all? But before the movie came on, I, I was just, it caught me off guard. It said, look, there are things in here that, that aren't right, we don't agree with, but we chose to still kind of keep this content out there. And I just thought that was a fascinating kind of middle ground. We acknowledge, okay, this is a good book written by a, a messed-up sinner who m- committed some serious sins. I just thought that
1: was an interesting way. You just name-dropped a lot of people, including Disney. So well done, man. <laughs> Everybody's getting awesome. I swear I don't get any passes from Disney. <laughs> no, no sponsors. Uh, so, I mean, you guys know, I mean, a lot of our listeners are people that attend Redemption Chapel, and so a lot of our own people are listening. And one of the questions, you know, many people might be thinking is, so, so what do we do at Redemption to protect ourselves from this? I mean, we know it could happen, we're human, but what what do we do to to hopefully protect that this isn't something that comes out of Redemption Chapel? What are some of the things we practically do and things we've put into work maybe even recently?
0: Love that you're asking that, brother, because so far we're having a nice theoretical conversation. (laughs) And I think it's interesting to our people and hopefully helpful, and that's all good. But at the same time, with such a weighty, dangerous issue like this, I'd love part of this the impact of this podcast would be that our people have greater confidence in their own church. And one of the difficulties is what we've said so far is they're but by the grace of God, which means it could be any one of us three at any time. And that is so hard to face. So what do we do as a church? Well, uh, number one, we require that all staff have accountability relationships. In fact, we ask them on a regular, I think it's every other month, they support this form, uh, submit this form, where they have you met with your accountability partner, and have you been open and honest with them? And so we require staff to have accountability in their lives. Uh, uh, Second thing that comes to mind, that I want to hear maybe something on your mind, Pastor Jared, but... uh, is accountability and leadership. So not only moral accountability, that it's personal in our lives, but I think it's important that all of us are under authority. Now, we all have a reporting relationship, but where that usually fails is at the top. So I, as a lead pastor, can be an unaccountable individual, and I can then become too big to fail, blah, 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 and it gets really gross. So uh, I submit to our elder board, and we meet once a month, and at the end of the meeting, uh, the very last thing is ask Rick anything, such that any one of our elders, uh, and they can't be on staff, so they don't report to me in any way, have the ability to ask me about anything in my life or in the ministry. In a recent elder meeting, we had a lot to talk about. We were getting towards the end. Uh, our chairman, Joe, Joe Carter, uh, was about to say, hey, we, can we skip that? And I said, Joe, we can't. We have to do it, it because it, it was the Ravi stuff was fresh on my mind and it's important that I submit to the elders and I am not above accountability. Uh, so that that issue of accountability, both personal moral accountability and then leadership, uh, kind of organizational accountability, I think both of those are in play and both are hugely important.
2: Mm.
0: What would you say, Jared? I'm just going to say we, we try
2: not to Commit big sins. (laughs) That does does not count. (laughs) Don't do it. it. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, obviously, a lot of that is walk with God. But one of the things that came to my mind is just culturally. You know, I think of some of the cultures that happens, and at least I'll speak personally. I don't necessarily feel that pressure. Some uh, cultures where it's just the the pastor, the priest, they walk on water. They're in another category. And we, we don't want to think of them as having depravity like all of us. And I, I just appreciate some of the cultures. We're honest about that. I mean, part of that is messy. It's not just like, oh, the congregants are messy. We have our stuff together. Our stuff doesn't stink, you know. So, I mean, some of that, you know, is just trying to set a culture to acknowledge. Like, we're, I love, you know, Trip has a great book, Dangerous Calling, yep. and He makes a point. Look, any person on any staff is just as capable of any sin as anybody in the church but yet, the dangerous calling part is sometimes they don't have the accountability or they don't have the access to the body, and and I think we do a good job of just not having that we're holier than thou, you know, culture. Like we're just regular guys, so we do everything we can to have that accountability and experience that grace of God.
0: Yeah. So there's no pedestal. Mm. Uh, we, we have the priesthood of believers. We do messy. All those things form part of our culture, which is in some ways protective. I think another aspect of our culture that's protective is that uh, we are trying to do what we can to avoid the celebrity culture in in our church. Uh, Some things that lean into that, you'll you'll never find uh, my name on the sign out front. We just don't do that kind of stuff. Uh, There are no green rooms for pastors or for musicians. We avoid that intentionally because we don't want a celebrity culture. That's where it gets gross. There's no private bathrooms. I don't have my own private bathroom uh, because I'm not a big deal. I'm just another person in the church. The fact that we have shared teaching, uh, which you guys teach awesome when you preach, that's, that's fantastic. But there is a side benefit that there's not one... Anointed person, like right out of the gates, there's like at least three that are preaching, and so we're sharing that. That's very, very good, and we usually pray about that before the sermon. When you preached on Sunday, Austin, you said it doesn't matter which pastor opens word; it matters that God speaks through His word, mm-hmm. uh, and so all those kind of things form this very intentional no celebrity culture, and it's precious to me.
2: I think some of it's just got to be a commitment to God's word too. I mean, I, I've talked to other churches and. I, recently I had somebody asked, what is, you know, is your elder board? what does it look like? Is that actually just trustees? And what are the qualifications? And I kind of laughed. I was like, I, like, <laughs> I didn't know, like, I, I was being genuine. I didn't know what they meant. I'm like, the, well, the biblical ones, <laughs> you know, they're like, you know, it lays it out. And Timothy and Titus, here's the qualifications for leadership. And, and it, I, in some ways, I guess, just pleasantly shocked to realize, man, there's some churches, well, they don't really follow those because we just needed trustees. And so it's just a call to God's word, and man, if it's if we're in line with that, then okay. And if not, we got a problem, and that's just what we use
0: God's word. Well, and as part of our commitment to the God's word, we do church discipline. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Austin, you just preached about this yesterday and did a great job on it, man. But. Uh, Church discipline is very uncomfortable, but what it says as a church is that we are not going to wink at sin. There's grace, there's forgiveness, there's love, there's restoration, but when somebody is in gross or unrepentant sin, we will address that openly as a church. And we did that over the last year with an elder. We had to remove an elder from his position. And so the commitment to church discipline, including leadership, is part of our culture as well, and that's a protection.
2: And it's so funny, right? Because everybody, we get a lot of flack when we do church discipline. Yes, we do. <laughs> so on both sides, right? Like, so people. So, so when it happens, we were so mad. But yet on the front side, whenever there's gross sin, people, you know, oh, I'm so glad they do that. But when we do it, but, and that's the reason, right? And that's what you unpacked in your sermon. Like, well, they don't like it, but there's a reason in God's design that he has that because we got to take this stuff mm. serious.
0: Well, and that's, there's a posture then of submission, that God is God. He's wiser than we. And even if we don't like it or think it's awkward, we'll still do it. Right there, we said there's one celebrity. It's Jesus. That's it. And the rest of us are submitted to him. And once, once we lose that posture, uh, we're, we're headed for danger. Hmm. And the only other thing that came to mind for what protects us, and uh, maybe I can land with this if you guys are, are cool with that, but uh, we recently, as elders, crafted a new bylaw, so our constitution can only be changed by a vote of the membership, uh, but bylaws can be added uh, or edited by uh, a vote of the elder board. We added a new bylaw, and this one is about moral failure, and I, uh, this will be sent out to the members soon. I don't think they've seen this yet. But it's as this Ravi stuff was weighing heavily on my heart. I wanted something in black and white. I wanted something in ink for our church. Because I saw a lot of pastors going on uh, social media basically doing virtue signaling of saying, hey, uh, this is terrible and I hate what's going on. And I'm like, man, I want our church to set something up that this is what we will do.
2: Uh, It's reactionary to happening in culture out there, not to something actually happening on our staff.
0: Correct. Thank so you. We're not for writing you. this yeah, because no there's a
2: significant failure on our staff. Not, <laughs> not
0: at all. And praise God for that, but it, there but by yeah. the grace. And so this is the bylaw I hope we never need. <laughs> but okay. I think it's important to have it on the books, and it's been voted in. Let me read it to you. It's new. It says, Any accusation of serious moral failure, e.g. sexual impropriety, addiction, financial misconduct, deception, abuse, etc., against an elder or staff member may be brought to the attention of any elder or pastor. That elder or pastor has the responsibility to make sure the accusation is brought to the attention of the full elder board. If it is indeed an accusation of serious moral failure, the elder board will recuse the accused elder, if applicable, and decide how best to investigate the accusation so that all things may be brought into the light." This may include putting the elder or staff member on temporary leave during the investigation and or seeking an external third-party investigation when appropriate. Righteousness and justice will be our primary concern, as well as loving and ministering to any potential victims. Appropriate government authorities will be informed whenever applicable. We will not seek to shield the ministry nor the accused at the expense of truth. If there is an investigation, that investigation will not be conducted nor steered by someone with close relational ties to the accused, whether family or close friends. If the serious moral failure is confirmed by the investigation, the elder board will decide the appropriate disciplinary action which may include removal of that elder or staff member and informing the the congregation. We will not be interested in shielding reputations. We will value biblical guidelines, the accused's uh, redemption, justice for any victims, protection of future victims, the glory of God, and the purity of our testimony. We believe the futures of both our lowercase church and the capital church. It reads better than, it. <laughs> <laughs> than than that. But So we believe the futures of both our church and the church are most blessed when godliness is valued over gifting, when the full truth is pursued, when sin is brought into the light, and when we have staff and elders who walk in repentant holiness." And I would just add Amen. And so uh this is a new bylaw on the books. Uh there's much within it that resonates with my within my heart. Any reaction from you guys to that?
1: I would just say I'm yeah, thankful for uh yeah, thankful for our church putting something like that together and um yeah, it's like you said, I hope we don't need it, but it's good mm-hmm. to have it. So any thoughts? And I like the plurality of eldership, too. You know, this isn't—when you
2: say elders, it's not, you know, you and your best buddy and just a boys' club that can—I you know, mean, this is people non-paid from the congregation that meet these biblical criteria, like a group of men, you know, hopefully to get out of that unbiased, to just pursue truth. You know, I mean, that, that's what we're about. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, you know, you want to be there, but to lay it out there in black and white, you no, know, this is what we're going to be about and what we're going to pursue.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And again I hope we never need it. But should this ever hurt hit our church, uh, I hope we live this out that we very much value the right things uh and we live it out humbly and let the chips fall where they do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with with this topic it's it's been heavy but it's been um it's been important and I'm grateful for you guys batting around a little bit and just encourage our our listeners uh you know, if anything you take from this Put your hope in Jesus. Don't put it in a man. Don't put it in a pastor or leader. Um, Put it in Jesus. And then if if you go to redemption, we would, man, pray for us as pastors. We would love that. If you go to another church, lift your pastors and leaders up in prayer. Uh, They definitely need it. So, guys, thanks for talking about this. um, And thanks for listening. And we will catch you next month on another episode of Redemption Unscripted.
0: Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.